0: How's it going? Happy, <laughs> happy Labor Day. I see we do not celebrate that here, apparently. I guess that's tomorrow, so uh, good seeing you all. <laughs> a little hard to see. But, um, so, we're in between series, so I, I wanted to share with you guys kind of uh, a little bit of personal liturgy for me, a practice. Uh, this season, this month, I uh, tend to look into God's creation and celebrate that, so I wanted to kind of share that with you guys today. But before I get into the sermon proper, I want to kind of have a shared commonality with you guys uh, through a story here. Uh, maybe you guys have the same center I do. So, I was a high school teacher for a few years. And, you. and thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> it feels good. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, inevitably we'd have these field trips that we'd attend right? And we'd have to chaperone as teachers, and we'd go to the art museum in Milwaukee, downtown Milwaukee. Uh, If you've never been there, it's kind of iconic now, but it's this big bird-looking building down there on the lakefront, right? And it's like every other art museum you've ever been to, right? It it goes through, when you look at the art installations, it goes through time, right? The history of art. So you start over, and there's like a sarcophagus from Egypt, and you're like, oh, cool, I guess. And then you, is that art, I guess it is. And then you keep walking and there's the Baroque kind of stuff, or like the Renaissance era stuff, and you see all this like, you know, oil paintings and and different things. And you keep going and and what have you, and inevitably, you get to the modern art section, okay? And this is where we're all kind of the same person. We we get there, and we see, like we can appreciate, you know, this photorealistic, you know, Dutch painting, we're like, oh man, it's beautiful. I love the light. And then when we turn and we see like a canvas of red <laughs> right or like blue maybe there's like a line on it or something <laughs> and we're like oh okay <laughs> and I, when I was chaperoning I had you know it's the same thing I said when I was a kid and we, we I guarantee you we've all said this he said it next to me he looks to me and he's like some sort of sigh of like ah, oh, or really and then he goes and we could probably all say this in Houston. I could have done that, right? I I could have done that. And I get it, right? Old me would have been like, yeah, right? But I'm not going to say it's difficult to do that, but (laughs) what I will say is this. You know, as as you age, you start to learn more. And, you know, going to school, you learn, you know, history and you learn philosophy and you sometimes do history of art or what have you. And I learned that there's a reason that kind of painting exists. There's context there, right? Uh, when, you, when you look at the history of art, things changed probably around the 1800s, mid-1800s, with the advent of the photograph, right? You think of the photograph, and you think of all these people who used to do these amazing, like, human images and, and, and landscapes and different things like that, and then the photo comes in, and how are you going to compete with literally what's there in front of you? Right, and so these people, what they started doing is instead of just trying to spend days and months painting something that I guess back then took days, but <laughs> um, instead of competing, what they would do is they started creating their own kind of art. And so you'd have things like impressionism, right, Van Gogh's Starry Night, or you have pointillism, right, somebody doing like little dots all over, or you have like Picasso's cubism, different things like that. And then you get the modern art period and what these guys were doing. And, it, and it's it makes sense kind of once you get there. They're looking back at all the art and seeing how much emotion that conveys when you look at it. It's it's literally I can show you what I'm feeling. I can show you something in an image in a static image. Right. And, and it's this person in a garden. Right. And you and you, you feel like homesick or longing for that. Right. And what they do is, hey, you know what? I'm going to show you passion. I'm going to make you feel the same kind of passion that Rembrandt could show you with one color, and I'm going to call it passion. And what's funny, weirdly, that's the emotion it evokes. You might passionately hate it, right? They got you. They got you, right? You're like, oh, come on. Nailed it. Right? But, But when you appreciate the art, you you might instinctively feel that feeling and they and they wanted you to get there in a way. But once you know art history, you, it, it, the context opens up. Uh, today we're going to be looking at an amazing part of Scripture where we see an author, a human author, coupled with the divine, right, to, to bring us this inspired text telling us about the way God communicates with us. And just like the people who are viewing the art, we end up becoming part of the subject matter here. I'm going to pray and we can uh, continue here. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much. Thank you so much for being the God who speaks. You are far and away so glorious. There is is zero need, zero burden that you have to uh, reveal yourself. But, Father, you chose to do that in many ways that we don't even realize. And Father, I just pray that we can be open and receptive to your communication. And Father, in this time of rest, I feel like uh, it would be important for us to pray that in the, in the rest of this season of rest that we have, this holiday, that we can, we can just enjoy our family and enjoy your creation, Father, that we can reflect on what's being said today. We pray all this in your Holy Son's name. Amen. So today we're going to be looking at Psalm 19. All right, the, the British philosopher, medievalist, children's office, uh, author uh, C.S. Lewis said this is one of the greatest pieces of lyric ever, ever. Psalm 19. Uh, if you want to get there in your physical Bibles, uh, if you're still using those, you have you just open to the middle. Awesome. You open to the middle. That's Psalms. Go back a little bit. 19. Look for 19. Uh, the Psalms are a big chunk of Hebrew poetry in the Old Testament, a lot of it written by David, uh, but there's many authors. and it's basically this these songs, these prayers, these hymns that they would sing as a, as a collection of people for different reasons. And in this particular instance, we have David going through how God speaks and his reaction to that. Uh, and we have really three movements here we have God speaking through nature, or what we we called previously in the summer general revelation. I'll talk about that. We have Yahweh speaking through his scriptures, and that's what we call special or specific revelation. We talked about that as well. And then we have David's response. So let's look at it in order here. Uh, General revelation. The text reads this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet, their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber like a champion rejoicing to run his course, it rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived from its warmth. And if, and if that hits you, right response. Now here's the thing. <laughs> we live in a day and age where if you, again, and all this is, is going to be true of this, if you say that to somebody, right, that speaks of God you will be laughed at often. Right? Look at look at the skies. And and doesn't is isn't it so grand? Doesn't that just speak of God? I'm like, what? Because really nowadays there's there's almost two acceptable approaches to us as as modern Americans looking at nature. You can be, and I apologize for my terminology, but this is, it's the only way I can think of. You could be like a, a hippie, right? And hug trees and sit in grass and stretch, right? Smudge some sage and then put it on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> you could do that. That's acceptable. That's cool. Or or you, could, you can look inside a microscope. Really, you're, you're probably not doing that. You're probably like liking the guy who looks in a microscope or the guy talking about the guy who's looking at a microscope. You're a fan of science. What's interesting is you have kind of natural people. And these people tend to be called naturalists. What's interesting is they're both looking at the thing, the effect, narrowly, and they care less about the cause. They care less about the cause. And when we talk about the cause, this is amazing, we agree, crazy that, that, that this world exists. So how greater is the guy that made it? They go, mm, wrong, wrong. It's weird. And, 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 and back probably like 200 years ago, we probably all would have agreed with David that that's a majestic thing and that's what nature points to. But things change, things change. And the same thing that was amazing and glorious and we were all nodded our head to, probably when we were young too, I remember sitting at like a playground all by myself, it was after school, and just sitting, and, and I guess I would do this a lot, <laughs> sitting on, a, on a, a, like a little bridge thing, and just looking at the clouds and thinking weird philosophical thoughts. I would have agreed with David then. And now, not so much. What's interesting is this. If, if we took a little mosaic mission trip, and I, and I took you in a puddle jump, no, no pilot license, sorry. And... <laughs> And I just uh, went, all right, we're here, over the Amazon, and just shoved you out with a parachute. You landed, had a machete, <laughs> cut around, and you, you found somebody, a tribesman, who's never seen anybody outside of their tribe before. They're not going to, like, turn around in a, in a lab coat with a petri dish and go, I don't know why turned into Jerry Lewis. The thing is, they're not, they're not default like atheists they're not they're not default like left people's own devices we don't just worship the nature itself they're more like the movie pocahontas right they they they'll tell you all about the spirits behind the thing hey i put my i put these cross things on my house so that when the clouds come it pokes them in the eyes and they run away so it doesn't rain i have to whip this stick behind my wife so when she's walking uh no demons come out and, and grab her in the woods because they get it. They get that there's something else out there. But nature is limited. Nature can only tell us so much. David says it here and Paul says it later. David says basically what we see here is God's glory, his divinity, and his power, his strength to create. His, his amazing ability. His infinite glory, his infinite ability are seen and displayed through nature. But Paul adds to this. Paul adds in Romans, he says, wrath is being displayed. Wrath is being displayed. He says, yes, you see the invisible qualities of God, his power, right, his divinity, and his attributes, his strength, and different things like that, but you also get an added element, his wrath. Why? Why? Because he understands that if you really get it, if you see the thing behind the thing, If you see the intent behind the nature, you realize, oh, this must have been some powerful being, really great, really, really powerful, and really amazing, divine, and I am neither of those things. And you instinctively go, like David, who am I? Who am I? I'm nobody. I'm definitely not, like, I'm not Nick. I can't, like, I don't have guns. Uh, I'm not strong. And I'm not, like, right, I'm not deity. I'm not perfect. So this is, this is the problem, right? When faced with nature, if we're really seeing the thing, that's our response. That should be our response. And what's interesting is nowadays... You know, if, if, we, if we attack this from, as Christians nowadays, even from an intellectual point of view, and we say, hey, look, look, let's just take the odds that this planet would be bearing life in all of the cosmos. All of it. As far as we know, we're it. The odds of that being the case, uh, when I last look this up, is like 10 to the negative 60th power. It's like, I'll, I'm not a math guy, that's a lot of zeros, okay? <laughs> it's a lot of zeros. What's well, fascinating to me, and, and, and even scientists are like, yeah, I, I guess, that's, that's a lot, it, you're right. But what they end up doing, because they have, no, they have no view, they have no perspective of the thing behind the thing, right, everybody's saying something, and yet they, they don't seem to see that, what they'll often do is they'll, they'll find workarounds. Uh, I know people like this, you might too. These kind of ideas are common nowadays. Uh, with, with the democracy of thought on the internet, uh, anything's fair game, any idea has equal weight. So you get things like, uh, I'll talk to people and they'll be like, hey man, I think we're in a simulation, right? <laughs> you're like, what, like you put down your Doritos, like, what what'd you say, what was that? I think we're in a simulation. And you go, okay. Talk talk to me about it, man. What do, you, what do you what do you mean by that? And they'll go, okay. Check this. Is it weird to you that like everything is so orderly? I mean, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I have an answer for. It. Well, hold on, hold on. And then things seem to happen like kind of coincidentally, and you're like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> that could be. And he's like, no. I think I think we're in a simulation. I was like, well. Who, who's beyond the simulation? Would it be God? He's like, no, dude, get out of here. Get out of here. It's probably Carl, right? <laughs> this guy out there is Carl, right? And, and so he made this in his, like, basement or something. And you're like, okay, that's just, like, putting one more step. That's putting one more step. Why not just say, like, there's instead of Carl, like, well, if it's God, and we're just in life. Like that, that could be, but people don't want there to be God so much that they just, you know, Carl's better um, to them. So <laughs> another one, another one, and we see this now, it's, uh, you know, aliens, right? Aliens in the news. It's cool, I guess. Um, and, and you talk, I have friends like this too. You talk to them. I have, I have interesting friends. Uh, and so they'll be like, hey, check this out, check this out. So here's what happened. You know, Okay, cool. Let me put my hat on, my tinfoil hat. Let's go. And they go, (laughs) here's Earth, okay, and then long time ago, these aliens came, okay, and they beamed down, and like Xenu or somebody came, and like they populated the Earth with life, and then and and fill in like evolution scene in a movie here, like rapid evolution, and then here we are, and now they're coming back, and you're like, okay, and then you ask like. Who, in, who made the aliens like... <laughs> no, I, I don't know another alien came and then that alien so it doesn't solve the problem of how we got here another one that's that's big now too is uh, this idea of the multiverse right you take those same zeros that six or ten to this negative negative sixtieth power how many how many odds it is that we we're here and you fill in for every single one of those digits, you put a universe. That's a lot, right? And that's the, and they'll go, that's why we're here. You don't need God, you just need more universes. And then the odds, there's no odds. It's just, that's how we are. It's, that works. And, and like, there's a show called Rick and Morty. I don't know if you know about it or whatever. It's not the best show ever, but <laughs> very nihilistic. But they take advantage of this. It's popularizing this concept. And they'll, like, take portals and, and go into other worlds and they'll meet versions of themselves. But the problem is, scientifically, that's not the case. One life-permitting universe in that many zeros. They're not going to find it. it's going to be the worst show ever if they go, hey, oh, nothing's here again. Like, that, that's the show. That'd be a, the bo- most boring show ever. But it's popularizing this idea of the multiverse. And people are trying to find these ways to answer how we are here. And yet, God's been saying, and nature has been testifying this whole time, hey, hey, God, it's God. And it's interesting. Uh, It it doesn't stop there, right? Uh, David continues. He says this. By them, your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. I have a challenge for you guys today, okay? I want you to maybe not go to your neighbor, okay, at home, uh, because you probably know them. Go like a couple neighbors down, knock on the door, and say that. (laughs) You will get the door slammed in your face so hard, so quickly, that you'll probably go into another dimension. So... (laughs) This is now crazy talk. Crazy talk. And I'll say this. Even as a Christian, I wouldn't put law there, right, if it were me. I wouldn't go, the law is this, right? Because every year, right, when you're doing the Bible reading and you get to Leviticus, you're like, I'm going to skip that part, right? (laughs) I don't want to lose momentum. but, But that's the thing, right? That's all David had. He was making... Like, with God, he and God were making the psalms. All he had was, when your ox gore somebody. And he's like, we're doing ox law now? Like, (laughs) we're gonna start a show called Ox Court? I'm not, (laughs) I'm not a, that's not the most, you know, scintillating text ever, right? So, but look at what he's saying about it. I, I mean, you rattle this off, the law is perfect. It converts, is sure. Make simple wise, it's just, it provides joy, is pure, enlightens, I would argue in your life there's probably zero percent people, maybe more than that, that would agree with this. Um, Obviously depending on where you go, maybe. It's, It's interesting to me that this is something that's so obvious to David and probably again would have been very obvious to our community not too long ago. And yet we've come to such a point in society where this is so countercultural. Truth is passe, right? It's, it's phenomenal to me, it's phenomenal. But yet, think about it this way, and, th- and this, is, this is the way I've framed it. To some people, I, I had friends and I had students before that, you know, maybe they were born in a fatherless household. Okay, and you talk to them and you say, "Hey, wouldn't it be better? It, would, would, would it be better if you had never received anything from your dad, letter-wise or anything? You never saw him, but, but and you never got anything from him, or you never saw him and you you had texts telling you where they were and what was going on." I I guarantee you, inevitably, they would love the fact that their dad communicated with them, even if they were locked up. There might not be a Green Beret in the jungle somewhere. Even if they were behind bars, and they're like, hey, man, I can't be there. You would rather have that. You'd rather have some communication. And that's just a dude, an important dude, but just a dude. And yet we're faced with God's actual word. And all we can do is like, um, it's kind of old, <laughs> right? Uh, I think there's better things, to do. right? If you read, but this is the thing, guys, David is coming to the text. He's not even, he, he's coming to the oldest of the old Testament. And he's saying, look at, look at how God, you, you see his order. You not only see that, uh, there, there's, References in the Hebrew here that, like, talk about morality. And yet, we wonder why we're so frustrated as a society dealing with so many societal problems. And trust me, people weren't perfect before, obviously. But we're definitely not perfect now. And there's a missing component. We're not, we're obviously not appreciating the text we've been given. We're not even appreciating the nature that we've been blessed with that points to God. And David is looking at both of these and saying, these are the texts we've been given. One is incomplete, granted. One doesn't tell us who that God is. It speaks so loudly that there is one. And then he specifies those parameters in his word. And we don't treat it like that. Even I as a Christian don't treat it like that all the time. Finally, we get to David's response here. And I'd be curious to think if we would respond this way. Check this out. He says this, verse 12. But who can discern their own errors? I'm going to stop there for a second. When's the last time you heard somebody that self-reflective in our society? Right, you're not tuning into, uh, you know, dude, bro, on Instagram, and he's like, "Hey guys, super self-reflective today." Like, it's (laughs) it's usually about like how you know, like, follow me, like, subscribe. I'm I'm the greatest. You want to watch this? Yeah, and nobody's like, "Hey, I I don't even know what I don't know about myself. I don't even know the like. I have critiques of who I am. I don't even know what, what even the worst parts of me are." And and that's, it it seems like a non-sequitur, like an extreme tangent from what he was just talking about. Hey, nature, God, Scripture, Yahweh, clarifying. Who Who can discern their own errors? He's blown away by the response, his response to what God is showing him. An appropriate response. He says this, forgive my hidden faults. He's not wanting to change them himself. He knows. A, he doesn't know what they are all the time. He 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 just he wants forgiveness from these things. So he doesn't even know what they are. And he's not trying to do it himself. He says this keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He says, basically in this, he says, God sees our errors, cleanses our faults. God can keep us from sin. He can keep sin from us. God can make us upright and innocent in his eyes. We might not be perfect in our own estimation, granted, but God can can make us innocent in his perspective. He can forgive us. Our words and thoughts can be acceptable. He says, the God who speaks is strong and can save. Guys, this is before, this is before Christ comes on the scene. That's amazing. That's amazing. We have something that he didn't even have. We have the Holy Spirit permanently indwelling us as believers. We have God. We, We carry God everywhere we go. David only had it when he was inspired to write the text. That's it. We have something far more than even David had, and we treat it with such, you know, at least I do, with such neglect. My, my, my uh, curiosity is how many of us approach either nature or scripture the same way David did. And then how many of us have that same response or even close to it? And, I, and, and I'm not saying that about anybody here. You guys probably do. I don't. I don't. It's a, it's a hard, a hard thing to conceive of in our society. I would have to, we would all have to probably be reprogrammed to even get to that point. And that's what God does for us. it's it's not like he he changes our mind against our will or anything like that, but he he demonstrates who he is, and he shows us who he is through his word and through his creation. And every day, every day we we might not be where David even is in his walk, we get there slowly. We get there, and we have Christ to help us. It's not even on our own terms and on our own uh, abilities. much like the painting, it is actually our ignorance that is in view. I remember back when I was a kid and, and I, I thought of what to say to that young man I was with and I, I think I didn't want to sound like a know-it-all so I just kept my mouth shut and I was like, okay. Because I was there. But I, I, I wonder some, sometimes what the person who was my chaperone thought when I was in the same spot. And I, and I opened my gob, and I was like, I could do that, right? It's interesting. It, it shows much more what I know and my ignorance than anything about that painter. And that's just a painting. We are often so proud in our rejection of greatness that we can be unaware how uninformed we actually are. And what hit me when I was was studying this is this is a commonality that we have with Satan himself. Check this out, guys. He looked at literally, he, he didn't even just have creation or God's word. He was in the throne room of God and said, I can do that. I can do that. Right? Everyone is saying something everyone is saying something how how much how much should we be striving to see what god himself is saying right the only appropriate response to the world around us is worship that is true that is true and the only appropriate response to god's word is to orient that worship to the one true god with that we're going to be celebrating uh, communion today. And we have an opportunity. God gives us a built in opportunity when we come to communion to reflect, right? We get to actually come and we get to consider what God has us to consider our faults, our sins, areas where we're weak. And we get to confess those things privately to God. We get to come to the table forgiven. We have that opportunity today, guys. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.